Erico is multifaceted and we could honestly talk to her about many topics, both spiritual and not so spiritual. However, today we're going to talk about Akashic Records, which she calls an energetic storehouse of ancient wisdom. Okay, so Laura, let's talk about Akashic Records. Most people that are listening right now have never heard of that term. So can you help explain what the Akashic Records are? Yeah, I I think I explain this about three to five times a day. So absolutely. (laughs) And the Akashic Records, I think, are the best kept secret out there. I don't really understand how people haven't heard of it. I I hadn't, you know, five years ago, I didn't even know what an Akashic record was. So if you're listening and you're not sure, you know, it's, it's a shock to me as well, but it's an energetic space that holds your soul's history. So think of it as a place where everything you've ever done over all of your lifetimes is stored. And an Akashic record reading is when somebody is able to access that space and give you information from billions of bits of information about you, like an entire Google search on you, that'll help you heal, unlock, get guidance on exactly where you are at this moment in time in your life, right? To help you move forward on whatever it is. Say you're in the relationship that's a struggle or the job that you're frustrated with, or personally on a, on a personal level, you want to heal on some level. And when we're in those moments, when we're stuck, we're seeking, we're looking for information, we want that sentence, that friend, that book, something that's going to just give us that knowing. And the Akashic Records is that. And the last thing I'll say to you is, I believe we're all in the Akashic Records all the time with all that said. I think if you've ever had a moment of intuition, of knowing, I just know that I need to move. I just have to change a job. I just know that it's time to shift this relationship. Whatever it is, when you have that, like, I just know this is the apartment for me, whatever, right? We talk like that, but what are we even talking about, right? So I think we're always in this energetic space. It's your intuition. It's your gut knowing. It's that deep sense of authentic truth for you. This is just an amplifier. It's a system that gives you more access with a ton and ton, a ton of content and hopefully helps unlock a lot of ways to feel better in your life on a regular basis. I'm sure so many people, when they come to you, come with that sense of curiosity, but also maybe a little fear of what you're going to unlock within them when they come your way. So what are some of the typical things that people come to you for when they're looking for information on their Akashic records? And how do you how do you practice? What's the process? Yeah. So it's so funny you say that with the fear part. People are nervous, but it's because we can't imagine a space like this. It's there's no judgment, there's no right or wrong. And there's just a ton of compassion. So it's never like people receive stuff that is like really upsetting to them, which is interesting, even when it's harder information to hear because it's so truthful to where they are, they feel really, really good. The process though, is sort of imagine a cell phone, right? We have a cell phone and no matter what number you put into it, you'll get your different friends, right? But you use the same phone number. It's the same phone. An Akashic record, I have a a bunch of sentences that I read and it's always the same sentences, just like the cell phone is always the same cell phone, but I plug in a different full name and that allows me to get into one person's records versus another, just like making that phone call. And the kinds of things people ask, I mean, there's a repetition for sure. People kind of come with the same five or six things where it goes is always unique and different, but people want to know about purpose. Am I on the right track? Is this the right job? How can I find something that is 
is more suited for my career. They want to know about healing, personal healing. Perhaps they've had trauma. Perhaps they've been in therapy a long time. They've tried a lot of modalities. They can't quite nail what it is that is specifically holding them back in life. And then relationships, right? As struggles. I've been in the same conversation. I don't know if this is the right marriage. I don't know if this is, why are we having the same conversation? That kind of stuff. It tends to be the top, I don't know, 90% of, of the time. The answers though, which is fun, they're always different. I have two questions. One is going back to someone giving their full name and you saying it. I think some people listening may question, why do you need the name? Again, like I don't really know how cell phones work. And I know like 50 years ago, nobody would have believed it works and we couldn't have described it. So I'm not going to sit here and say, I actually understand, but my understanding is that these sentences are set in a vibration that unlocks your energetic field. And with your full legal name that you're using currently is a vibration really. And so that's what allows me into one record versus another. I don't really know how that works, but I also don't know. That helps to describe. I mean, I just, I just know that that's a question that some people may have. Yeah. And my other question has to do with the answers. Are the answers, are they more general? Are they specific? I, I know they run the gamut, but I know people listening would love to have a better understanding of what they could expect if they have a reading with you. Yeah. They're so specific. I'll start with just sharing a little bit about my own story. And then I could give you a couple other people's stories, but every single solitary one is unique and specific. Say I'm doing readings for people who are having addiction and alcohol, and we have these ideas of how it's the same. It's not. I mean, every story is very unique. The reasons that they're struggling are very unique. Trauma is unique. Every story is is very particular to that person, which is why it works so well. Cause they're like, Oh my God, this isn't prescriptive and particular, uh, framework or something that I'm supposed to follow. It's really a, it's really truth for me. Right. So when I went, I was talking about moving into a modern minimalist apartment on the lake to a couple friends. Uh, nobody knew that. And I walked into my first Akashic record reading and this girl that I've never met in my life, she was in her twenties. She read these sentences And she's like, I see a modern minimalist apartment on the lake. And I was like, what? Right. And it just was like, you know, and now I do that to people. I was, I was sharing a conversation with a woman and I was talking about her mother. And I say, I see somebody on a ladder and this ladder is set up in a kitchen and I see them cleaning like dust at the very top of the kitchen ceiling on the, on the molding. And she's like, my mom literally does that. And I was like, Oh, right. And it's, it's like every reading, there's some kind of personal drop like that. And then it moves into these very particular things. You know, I can tell you exactly your mother's energy, how she treated you, the things she said to you, how you had a stuffed animal that you sat in your room with, and you looked out the window a certain way and how you might've felt. It's uncanny, the level of details that come through and the resonance, right? People are brought to tears because it's so accurate. They feel like, oh my God, I don't know how I would have even described that, but it's so true. So for me, it went from this, you know, modern minimalist apartment on the lake to you have this book of philosophy in you, but they're little and they're poetic and they're small. She's like, you know, you want to write them. And I'm, I'm like, I I do, but nobody knows that, but, but me and maybe two people in my life. And it turned out I wrote them right. And it was exactly what was said in the reading, but the level of detail around, it's not just, I'm an author. It's that I, I have this small book of philosophy and it was particular to what I wanted. Right. So it's validating sometimes to your truths that you kind of know things about yourself, but you don't know why you think them, or it's 
really healing and that it kind of explains friends, family, career obstacles in ways that you're like, oh my God, that really makes sense. I have worked with a therapist for a decade and haven't gotten it, but I just got it. Right. So it's, it's, it often brings people to tears, but they're tears of joy. It's kind of that like cathartic release tear where like I stop and I'm like, are you okay? And they're like, I'm so good. You have no idea. But it's like a release, right? Because you you have a sense of like, finally, I hear the truth. I feel it's true for me. And then you can get very, very practical steps from follow these modalities or start a podcast or create a workshop. I outlined somebody's podcast from beginning to end, literally the look and feel, the marketing, the name of it, and and he ended up doing it. So those are kind of, it's a, it's a broad sense of how it works. It's pretty magical. Well, unlike a, a psychic medium reading or, or a tarot card reading, for example, to me, it feels like it's much more specific in terms of your overall lifespan, even maybe even pre-life span, right? It speaks kind of more on the soul level, even though the ideas or the, the reading itself might give you insights on what to do. It feels a little bit deeper than that. Would you say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really is. So we are incarnated for this particular life. You know, I'm Laura Cohen, this particular life, but the soul has been around for many, many, many lives. And so it's not just picking up on the personality of Laura, although it does, it's picking up on the energy of the essence of Laura, right? So when we talk about the people we love, we don't say, oh, I love Karen because she has a certain haircut or an outfit that she's wearing. And Robin in particular likes to wear hats. And so that's why I have this relationship with her. It's because there's a sense of somebody, right? We feel connected to that sense, that deeper sense. And when you try to describe it, if I said, why do you love your your spouse, your best friend, your kids? It's like very hard to put to words. It's kind of like this or, well, they make me laugh, but it's like, you love them because they make you laugh? Well, no, right? It's them. It's their essence. And so the Akashic realm is picking up on our soul, our soul's history, where you've been, where you've traveled. It's like, you don't know why you were able to do piano young, or you don't know why things make you laugh, or you don't know uh, how come the relationship is such a struggle. It's not just this lifetime. It's picking up on this energetic self that you have a vague understanding of, and then how that meets the personality of this particular life. So it's, it's pretty deep. Oh, I love the way that you describe that. Can we talk about energy again for a sec? I love the way you put that with the cell phone and the frequency and even our names having a frequency. And when we talk about the Akashic realm, can you talk about what that energy in your belief is comprised of and what that feels like? And just to add to that, Laura, when you answer, do we have one single thread of energy that carries from one lifetime to the next that you're picking up on? Or is each iteration of our lifetimes, do we come up with a slightly different variation on that? I'll pick up on your question first, Karen, because oh, Robin's is so hard. But I got inspired when when Robin asked that, and I was like, oh, maybe that's the that's the significance of it, and what you can feel and read in that energy is that you're picking up on this lifetime and where we're where we are in our energy, but it's also extending maybe backwards and forwards. I don't know. I don't want to overcomplicate it, but. You, you guys, I mean, this gets so deep and so complicated. And so just stop me if I, I jump off the cliff and you want to come back, but it's okay. So an Akashic record reading is picking on up on what you need in this moment. Okay. We come here, we incarnate and we forget because we cannot know everything there is to know about all of our lifetimes and be embodied at the same time, we would have a complete breakdown. So we only receive what it is that's for our highest good in this moment 
right? If I was told you're going to learn the Akashic realm and you're going to become a practitioner and you're going to study it like six hours a day, and you're going to channel books and you're going to, I'd be like, Oh my God, I don't, I just like, I'm, I'm having a nervous breakdown already. And it's going to work in these 20 ways. Also we have free will. So while we get guidance on what we wrote before we came here, because the belief is before we come here, we decide what we want. We get to choose each step along the way, right? So the actual path is co-created with your embodied form and your energetic self, right? So your energetic self is kind of like the calling in the background going, Laura, don't forget to write those books, right? Like you wanted to do that. But Laura, the person who I've embodied in is like, I actually feel like going to dinner tonight. Like, I don't want to write. So there's this co-conspiring that's happening, right? On my podcast, The Art of Authenticity, everybody talks about how I had a, a nudging. There was something, I there was an itch. I had a nagging inside of me and I had to turn to a, new, a different path to be authentic, right? So I'm picking up on in a reading this particular moment, what's in your highest good to help you align to your soul calling, you being the personality who who gets distracted. We have ego, we have real lives, we have jobs, we have in Chicago today, a blizzard. There's so many reasons that it's very hard to stay organized with what is this deeper calling or truth that you wanted to accomplish in a lifetime. So you mentioned time also, this is the cliff dive moment, but there is no time. So time is a construct. So Karen, if I were to say to you, like right now, we're in the present moment together, but the clock just keeps moving every second it moves every second. So where is the present? If we go by a clock every second, it's moved. So there is zero present. It's always motion. Time is always in motion, but we call this the present moment right? And we say there's a future. Well, is future the next second? Is it the next millisecond? Is past the previous millisecond? Like that's crazy, right? So there is no time. Time is a construct we use so that we are here today recording at a particular time. It's organizational. So when you can get past this idea of time being real, which hurts my head, then what the records start to talk about is how everything is actually happening sequentially. And so all of your lifetimes are actually happening in the same quote moment in time, and they're all impacting each other. And that's when I tap out and I just, right. I don't think our education system or our brains or the way we uh, perceive the world is capable of really taking in the extent of what this all is, which takes me to Robin's even harder question. Like, what is it? I don't know. I don't know. Right. Like I know that the best explanation I can give you is thinking about air. So Robin, right now, you and Karen, we're all three in different places in the world. We're all breathing air, right? It's in my lungs. It's in your lungs. It's in your space. It's in my space. There's this thing we call air, but I can't grab it. I can't hold it. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's it's in me. It's in you, right? It's everywhere. And it's also sort of nowhere in a sense, right? Because it's not a containable thing. So I think the Akashic realm soul energy is is that-ish. So you're stuck with metaphor because we we don't have the the education or ability to, to really say, I don't have the ability to say more than that, but that's my best stab at for myself to understand it. So my soul is both within me and outside of me. The Akashic realm is within me and outside of me. We are it. We're not it. It's everywhere. When you get into the deep philosophical, spiritual literature, they start talking this way and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to jump off a building, but that's why. You know? I was just going to say, I, I think for the listener, when I, I just had such a misconception of what Akashic records were they, and, and I did 
kind of walk in a little bit with that fear factor, like it was this actual formal record, like my dental records, right? Like <laughs> somewhere out there is this big record of everything I've done, good or bad, a record of what I'm going to be doing next that I was going to be tapping into. It's just so not that in any way. And the other part of that, when you walk in and you p- think that, you also, I think, the human part of us walks in and thinks we might be judged. And I think the beautiful thing about the Akashic records is there's no judge. Yeah. So Robin, I, to finish the story of my first reading, she said, you have these books inside of you that you want to write, but you're putting all this pressure. You can write them when you're 70 or in your next life. And I was like, what? Right? Like, what? What are you talking about? Like, if I'm supposed to write this book, then I need to write it. But there's no getting it wrong. And it's like um, the best way they've described it to me is if you have a flower and it's planted in the right space with the right soil and the right amount of sunlight and the right amount of water, it, it'll grow. And so it'd be a shame for it to not grow. Like, why not? So, in certain lifetimes, we have everything we need to accomplish the thing that our soul journey really wants, right? So in this life, I have the education, the freedom, the space to write. And so why not complete this thing that I have a soul desire to do? But if you don't, you can do it in another life. I just might have to wait a few lives because I might be a slave in a camp somewhere where I'm just like, that's not an option. Or I might, you know, not have the means to to do it or the personality. Like Laura Coe, is willing to sit down as she will get it done. Like there's these qualities within this human manifestation that aligns well with things like that. And as Gary Zukoff would say, it's authentic embodiment. It's when your personality meets your soul, right? The essence yeah. of your soul. That's right. And when that happens, it's magic, right? Exactly. I had this big fight with the idea of the Akashic realm for six months, nine months. And I was like, wait, Cause I was listening. I was like the student. I was like, okay, every day I'm going to get guidance. I'm going to go in my records and I'm going to listen. Cause every time I do, my life is just magical and exponentially better. And then I was like, wait, I'm Laura. I'm not a slave to this realm. Like what the hell? Like I'm a person. I matter. Like I had this, like, who am I in this story? And then it hit me when I'm happiest, when I'm feeling best in my life, I'm listening to my truth and I'm listening and I'm allowing that deepest truth, which is that Akashic realm soul truth uh, guide me. But I also am not a slave to it. And that some days Laura just wants to sleep in and she wants to go you know, hang out and have an extra martini and that's okay too. And so the judgment to your point, it's real. And we really, really, really are so afraid of being judged that we didn't accomplish what we needed to in this lifetime, in this month, or that the ways we're living our life should be something bigger, smaller. People ask about purpose all the time. And sometimes your purpose is to just clear karma in a lifetime. It's not to build a business. And it's like, that's great. Why do we have to have judgment over these ideas. And I just love that that's where you went, even when we were having our session with you, it it just gives you a different perspective. It's not like you're not achieving something that you came in here to do. There's all those opportunities. What is very special about your work is not only do you do these great readings for people, but you teach people how to do it for themselves. Can you just tell us a little bit about how do you work with people so that they too can do this work? Tell us a little more about Little Soul School and as Karen was saying, how you teach people. I feel that it's so important because I know I'm not a mystic. I think there's this spiritual elitism out there that there's people who are tapped in and there's people who are not. And I really want to debunk that. If you've ever had a moment of awe, a moment of creative knowing, of 
flow of anything. You're in the records, right? And there's nobody on the planet that hasn't just had a moment of like, oh, I just got it. I just, right? So all of us are in this realm because we are this realm. So I don't think of myself as a mystic. I just think it's like tennis. Some people, you pick up a racket and it's easier for them to hit the ball and they're willing to go to the court. Other people, they don't want to, right? That's fine, but you can still hold a tennis ball and hit it. It's not like you can't. So I started teaching friends. I taught myself and then I started teaching friends because it was fun. And then I started teaching more friends. And then I got asked to teach a men's group, which was like 40 dudes who are accountants and investment bankers, the least likely humans on the planet to, to learn the Akashic realm. And they were sweating and it was so cute, but they all did it. And I've taught hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. You can go to the little soul school. I got tired of doing one-on-one. So I created a free class with videos at the little soul school. And it's free because I do believe everybody should have have access. So it doesn't, to the tennis metaphor, it doesn't mean you're going to be good in an hour, but you can listen to the videos. You can have everything you need. You can decide if you want to keep practicing or work with me privately to kind of move it along or work with friends to do it. Like I did, I've lost track. I, I hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people at this point that I've taught and, and everybody's done it. And it's, it's really important to me that this gets out there, that this is not for magical people, or also it's like meditation, that this is not a, a strange thing to be tapped into. I mean, it, it's just part of life. The Akashic realm, the way we do it in those videos, it just puts an amplifier to what you're already doing on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And we can attest that we've done it. We ourselves went and took the course and it was easy and fun. And then we blew our own minds. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll say, you know, we were, I think, really surprised at the messages that we were able to get. Both Karen and I are intuitives and both of us, we also are somewhat mediums and so forth. This is a bit different and we liked the structure of it actually. And then the, also the feeling and the messages that came through, it was extremely empowering. And I think what you show all of us is that we are all magical people. That's what you're also giving, you know, as well as being an incredible translator. That's what I'll say too. Thank you. We're not all Laura. That's for sure. I may be able to read my messages or read Karen's and read Laura's, but I'm not Laura. Laura's the way that Laura is able to read the records for you is so special. Thank so you. that's a gift. As you said, you're an extremely good tennis player when it comes to Akashic records. <laughs> it's so visual. That's what I loved about it. It was such a different type of experience because so much of it for you comes through in these visualizations or symbols. And that's never something that I've delved into or been like comfortable with on my own, but following the process, it's almost like a movie unfolds. Yes. If you can do it with another person, it's incredible how you begin to play off each other and how this movie sort of becomes this bigger story that is so, so relevant. And so it's fun. It's not even one of those daunting things like, oh, I could never. Yeah. Karen, you know, it's really important you said that because I think that's the one thing that I should probably speak to more often. It is fun. I, every time I train people, they come in and they're like privately nervous. They're going to be the one person that can't do it. And they're like, Oh, it's going to be me. And I'm like, I promise it won't be. And then the second part is that they have so much fun. I can't 
get them out of the records. It's like going into a dream state. There is no time. You're lost in it. It's like a little tiny movie theater opens up that's just for you. And it feels amazing. I mean, it just, it's like dreamy, but not, not like sleep dream. It's like a very deep meditation feeling combined with this really cool set of videos playing and feelings and sensory experiences. I don't know. It's, it's a little like being on psychedelics or something in a, in a very calm, relaxing way. I don't know how to describe it, right? It's really a unique thing, but time disappears and, and people love it. And for a day or two, you feel good. You feel relaxed and calm. And if you just open the records, even if you're not interested in translating, I think it really helps heal people. That's another important aspect of it. I think getting the records open and just being in the energy, even if your intention is just to meditate or go for a walk, I think it can really help change your life in a bunch of ways too, that you don't have to do anything. We so agree. You're giving people so much hope. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing what's possible and really bringing it down to a level that I think most people listening can understand and act on. Our hope is that you go check out Laura at littlesoul.school and you can book a reading with Laura. You can learn more about the Akashic Records and read for yourself and Hopefully this is an opening for a new journey for those listening. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for this conversation and for having me on Seeking Center. It's so much fun. And for anybody out there that's interested, I think it's a beautiful way to experience, if nothing else, just energy. If you're ever wondering what it feels like to be in it in pure source energy, light energy, it's the quickest way to just get a little taste of that. And then you can know for yourself. There's knowing from reading books, but I think when we do it for ourselves, we can actually have a tangible experience and that's a different knowing. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Laura. So that was an incredible conversation. Oh my gosh. Learned so much. And I just love her energy. You and I have both experienced Akashic Records and have had interesting and good experiences. There's just a way that Laura puts it. She puts it in a way that you can understand it and also apply it in your own life. Yes. That's what it is. You're out of the woo woo, which even she says she's, she's trying to do. Knowing that we were going to talk to Laura for our download this week, we decided to use Laura's Akashic record format for our mind meld. And so we went to the little soul school and we went through the course, which is so easy. And everyone listening can do that within an hour. We use the same practice that Laura uses when she's doing readings. And as she said, you read a few sentences and then you have an intention and or question, and then you close it at the end. And so that's what we did. We set the intention to receive messages that would resonate with all of you this week. Our intention was very simple and very broad. What you'll find with this and for us It's about what do you see? What is the image that comes to you? Which was new to me. I usually write down everything that comes to me almost like as a message. In this case, there were actual images that came to both Robin and I immediately. And as Robin began to share, it was clear that we were very much seeing the same thing. And it was very Wizard of Oz related. What we ended up both receiving are these visuals and messages using Wizard of Oz as the analogy. And that makes so much sense because we think that most people listening right now have seen Wizard of Oz. And so of course that's going to resonate with everybody. And when it comes down to, and what we were able to distill, and we're going to go into some of these messages, but the idea is to be your own Dorothy, own your own power. 
as Glenda the Good Witch says, you've always had the power, my dear. You just had to learn it for yourself. And you know, don't give your power away. But let's we're gonna get to that. Let's just start with number one. When we both went in and started this mind meld, I saw this field with this tornado and lightning which was taking me to what ended up being Auntie M's house. And then it was as if we were sharing a brain because Karen. Yeah, I kept getting follow the path. And and the minute I started thinking about the path, it had this sort of golden color to it. And I was at the very beginning by myself. And as I started following the path down the road, sure enough, there was Robin and Laura together and we were all locked in arms walking down the path. And then it also occurred to me that this whole movie actually was filmed. We, we looked it up in 1939. Who knew it was that old? But we were blown away with this idea of the beginning of the movie starts in black and white. And it's all about the, the tornado that comes and Dorothy literally waking up in this beautiful land of color on the other side. And we thought, oh my gosh, how significant that it is for us to know that as we're following this path, as we're following this road, that we're that is leading us quite literally out of this black and white. And we're ready for Technicolor to come into our lives. And the other part of it, which you talked about, which then I was on the yellow road too. So I could picture what Karen, we were picturing very much the same thing, linked arm in arms. And it also made us feel for everybody listening. If you can find a buddy to walk down that yellow road with, find the buddy. And if you can't, we'll be your buddy. We are here. That is why we're doing what we're doing. So reach out to us. We'll be your buddy. We're on the yellow brick road with you, which we know for us is that when we get to Emerald City, we are there to reveal the truth. That's what we're here to do is to reveal the truth, what we believe the truth to be in terms of who you are as a soul. And for every person, the truth is going to be different, but we're all on that road together. So what is your truth? You're on that road to find the truth for you and for your soul in this lifetime. And that takes heart and courage and strength. Right. And that the journey really does begin with that single step. If you remember at the very beginning of Darcy's journey, she was the one who had the courage to really start from the very beginning and set off to face her fear, which was that wicked witch so she could get home again. And in doing so, met these wonderful friends who were able to teach her just as she taught them. They helped each other get through that journey to the other side. And I think that that's the other thing too, as we're going through our journeys, just to be open to all those friends along the way that may not even look like friends, right? Like who would have thought the scarecrow and the tin man and the lion would have been such important allies to Dorothy along the way. So it just seemed like such a wonderful movie playing out, just reminding us almost of this childhood story that most of us didn't realize the symbology that was there for us in in our quote unquote real life. Totally. And the other questions that it can bring up for those listening is who's the wicked witch right now in your story? Are you, are you in your own way or what do you feel is in your way and how can you believe in your own power? How can you believe in yourself to overcome whatever it is, whatever you believe or see as the obstacle, the outside obstacle, or is it inside? And then Karen and I were talking about this. What are your Ruby slippers? What makes you feel magical? Get back in touch with your own power to go down that road 
and find that truth. That's right. In the movie, the ruby slippers were the thing that Dorothy thought was protecting her all along. And it wasn't really protection at all. It was her power. And she didn't realize that because she wasn't looking at her own power and her own self. And I think that's, that's right. We often forget is that we don't have to wear or be or pretend to have things that are giving us our power, that it's, it is really all within us. We're hoping week over week through February to inspire you with really great things that you can do to claim your power and to find your way along your own soul's path. So be your own Dorothy and maybe rewatch Wizard of Oz and really look at it in a new way. It's that reminder that you've always had the power. You just have to learn it for yourself. That's right. And when she woke up at the other end, she looked at the world differently. She saw the faces of her friends in in kind of a whole new way. And we always have that same opportunity on the other side to really look at, at everything that we're going through in a different way. And hopefully that's what we're giving you the opportunity to do along with us. We're having so much fun on this journey with you all trying these things. Oh, and we do have, speaking of, out of that. Exactly. Um, now this leads to our secret power. Power to share. Which is really, again, if you listened to last week's podcast, you hopefully tried to freeze some negativity in your life. and. Now we're giving you another exercise, utilizing your own being, your own power as a guide. That's right. Something that you can tune, use to tune into your own intuition, your own North Star, your own GPS, however you want to look at it. We've tried it a couple of times and it... It's almost a tongue-in-cheek kind of an exercise at first where you may feel silly trying it, but we found it really works well in, in giving you really simple answers to questions that you ask. So Robin, why don't you talk about how Yeah, so it is the human pendulum exercise. We're naming it that. I, whether it is or isn't, we're going to call it the human pendulum. And our friend Irina Kushan actually is the first person to suggest using our bodies as a pendulum because both Karen and I have used actual pendulums, which is a discussion for another day. But it's another way of doing what we're going to talk about. But you can use an actual pendulum that has a stone on it to do this. We had never thought about using our own bodies until Irina suggested it. And so this is the exercise. Basically, you're going to stand up. According to Irina, you should face north when you're doing this exercise. And then you're going to just give yourself a moment to connect into the earth, as well as think about the top of your head too, so that your energy is in alignment. These questions are going to be yes or no questions that you're going to ask yourself. It's your own inner compass. And so you're really tapping into what you already know. You know these answers. It just helps to validate it. That's right. And I would just add, I think what Irina was trying to say about starting with the North is almost picturing yourself as a compass. And so every compass does align itself with the North. So that's your true North. That's your truth. So take a moment, just figure out where the sun rises and sunsets and just ground yourself so that you know when you're asking, you're doing it from your true North, your true self. That's right. Thank you. And then you're going to ask your body, what is yes? And most people, when they do that, they move forward. Every body moves a little bit different. We're all tuned a little bit differently. So see what happens when you say, what is yes? For me, I move forward. Then ask your body, what is no? And then ask, what is maybe? When I ask, what is maybe? I My body leans to the right. The mind goes from side to side. It's your way of asking your body to align with your 
yes and no and give you those directions, giving you that that response so that you understand what it's feeling. Now you know what direction your body will move once you ask these yes or no questions. So now you're ready to ask your yes or no question. And it's important to phrase your question so that you get a clear yes, no, or maybe. You're not going to ask a question about what or a how. It's a, a yes, no, or maybe. The way that we started using it is asking questions we knew the answers to. That Without a doubt, we knew the answers. Like I was saying, do I like pickles? Which I know I, I'm maybe one of the few people I don't. So my body just immediately leans back to a no. And then you can ask questions that are deeper. Like, is it in my best interest to blank? And start practicing and using this as your inner compass and see if it helps you feel validated in decisions that you're making. That's right. And I think you can also utilize it for for those of us who are at home, working from home, maybe on Zoom all day. You may be on conference calls. You may be interacting with people on your team. You may be just having a conversation on your cell phone with someone else. Tune into yourself even on those situations and see how you're feeling. Are you leaning in towards your truth, towards your yes? Are you leaning away? It's almost like your natural body's way of tuning itself, right? Without even asking those questions, you know, when you're leaning into a conversation versus when you're leaning back. So it should be kind of that feeling that you get. I know for me, I second guessed at first, whether or not I was just subconsciously doing it. But as I started to practice how I really respond to people and situations and questions on a day-to-day basis, I kind of grounded myself in that kind of a feeling and how I felt about whatever question. So if you have any second guessing or you're struggling a little bit with this exercise, do what Robin said, start with really, really simple questions to kind of just get the feeling of it, then utilize that gut feeling in your intuition too, and see how your body responds to it. You can even do this with food. I know when I was a kid, my mom met a doctor who put food that kinesiology is very based on this, where you can actually put certain foods in your hand and you kind of know whether or not it feels right. Your body, it doesn't feel right to you or wrong. So it's our way of just trying to teach a little bit of intuitive skill sets and sort of a fun game way. Um, And we would love to hear from you if you, if you try this at home. Yeah. And I will also be putting up a really short video on YouTube in case you need to actually see it. I'm going to actually show my show how I, how I use it. Karen's going to be on zoom with me, but I'm going to just show you. It'll be really short. So for some reason you need to see it, you can go onto youtube.com slash seeking with Robin. And that's still our YouTube channel at the moment. It is branded seeking center, but just as an easy vanity URL. And we can't wait to hear how it works for you. And so remember, we want to hear from you just in general, right? So we want to know how the pendulum works. How did the freezing negativity exercise work for you? Are you practicing it? Do you notice a difference? Email us at connect at seekingcenter.app or DM us at Seeking Center Official on Instagram. Sign up for the weekly, our newsletter at seekingcenter.app. Can't wait to hear from all of you and looking forward to talking with you all again next week. <laughs>